Welcome everyone to the week 15 waiver wire show presented by the 33rd team. I'm your host as always, Josh Larkey, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Reynolds. Today we're going to go over the top ads for week 15. We're going to very briefly recap the two exciting Monday night football games, and then we'll talk about quarterback, tight end, and defensive streamers. The top out of the week should be Ty Chandler. Alexander Madison has a high ankle sprain. Maybe they sign someone, but right now it's just Ty Chandler and then special teamer Kanae Wongwu on the running back depth chart. The practice squad has Miles Gaskin, who I, I think we both like, but again, he's on the practice squad. And then seventh round rookie bruiser back, Dwayne McBride. Chandler is at the very least in line for a ton of touches at Cincinnati week 15. Detroit week 16 will be a tough matchup, but week 17 with all the money on the line in the fantasy playoffs. He gets the Packers, one of the best matchups for fantasy running backs. I would not expect to see Madison any of these next three weeks with the high ankle sprain. And I think Chandler has legitimate fantasy RB2 viability where he's getting 15 or so touches a game with some of them skewed towards the passing game. Ryan, what do you want to add here? Yeah, I mean, the thing that I like about this is the Vikings have the fifth scoring defense right now, which is remarkable, and their offense has just been non-functional the last two weeks, so it would make sense for them to try to just, you know, more conservative game plans, run the ball, especially as it, with outdoor games late in the year. So I don't view Chandler as a vi- volume monster at all, but like you said, the depth chart's so thin, he could see, you know, 15-plus touches over the next few weeks. Yeah, we also have the Justin Jefferson injury. We'll monitor that, but should he miss, it should be a pretty extreme run-heavy game plan this upcoming Saturday because, again, we have a few Saturday games. Next is Deonta Foreman. post by week, Deonta Foreman was healthy for Week 14, and he leads the backfield in snaps, carries, routes, targets. Overall, he had 13 touches. Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson combined for just four. The schedule is tough this week. The Bears are at the Browns, but then they get the Cardinals and the Falcons week 16 and 17 game script should at the very least be in their favor for those. And we've seen that this rushing attack has been generally pretty efficient all season. I prefer Chandler just because we've seen so much movement in this Bears backfield where week 12, Roshan Johnson was the bell cow. Then they have a buy and then suddenly Roshan only has one touch. So that's kind of where I'm at. Is that, is that how you see it as well? That Chandler, it's just a little bit easier to see the guaranteed touches. Yeah, like like you said, especially I think Chandler can be more of a factor in the passing game. At least he should be. Where with Foreman, Foreman's the perfect bear. Physical runner, tough runner, gritty runner, in-between tackles guy. Um, Like you said with Cleveland, I'm not crazy about the matchup this week, but I could see the Bears going 3-1 and one down the stretch. Uh, I actually think they're a top-20 team currently too, maybe even a little better than that, so... I do like Foreman, but like you said, if you know, it's it's been a messy backfield in terms of terms of deployment all year. Yeah, he's got some low end fantasy RB two viability for this week. Should he keep the role? So there, there's uh, yeah. some question marks. Yeah. Another one with question marks is Zamir White. Josh Jacobs left Week 14's game early with a knee injury. Then it was reported that he did not practice yesterday because of a quad injury. So I'm not quite sure what's going on. It's something in the lower body. Ultimately, they play the Chargers in Las Vegas on Thursday night against Easton Stick at quarterback for the Chargers because Herbert is injured. That sounds like pretty good game script to me. I I think the Raiders are going to run the stink out of the ball with Samir White. He probably gets 15 to 20 between the the 20s type touches. He's probably their goal line back as well, and then we should see some Amir Abdullah on passing downs. 
I think Zamir White will probably be around my RB30 this week in my rankings, just based on volume. It's not sexy, but for some people out there, they're going to need to play him. Anything to add to Mr. White? Well, that makes sense. And, and here's the thing, Josh. They got shut out at home by the Vikings yesterday, two days ago. So this Thursday night game could be, you know, a 10-7 game. Not really interested in betting on this offense. But again, if you're in desperation mode for in the playoffs at running back two, Zamir White probably isn't going to get 10-plus carries if Jacobs misses this contest. Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds, NFL on Twitter. His survivor thoughts, power rankings, expert picks and predictions for every game, exactly what he's betting on in each game, those all come out throughout the week. They're free to view on the33team.com. Let's talk about Odell Beckham. He's led the team in targets two of the past three games. He's reached 97 yards in two of them. He is on a snap count. He's only running about 60% of the routes each week, but he's been very efficient. And we like these matchups coming up at Jacksonville. We've seen the, the Jaguars' pass defense get shredded over and over. At San Francisco, which is actually a pretty decent matchup for receivers in fantasy specifically. And then versus Miami in Week 17. A little bit of shootout potential there. Ultimately, when you adjust for schedule, all three of those matchups are in the top half for for being friendly to fantasy receivers. Ryan, how are you how are you thinking about OBJ here? Just two quick things. One, I, I really like him this week against the Jaguars. That's a matchup where if you if you need a plug and play off the waiver wire and Beckham's there, I'm, I'm definitely pulling the trigger on that. Two, we talked about this yesterday. Beckham made two diving catches, one on a 20-yard play, one on a, I think it was a 46-yard touchdown, where he basically bailed Lamar Jackson out on two like semi-off off target throws. So he was really good yesterday. Obviously, you know. You make diving catches, quarterbacks have more faith in you too. So I, I like Beckham over this stretch as well. Guys, reminder to check out our waiver wire article that discusses players like these and more in depth. It's written by our own Nick Bodford. It's excellent. Check that out on the 33rdteam.com. Chase Brown. Brown carried nine times for 61 yards in week 13. That was very efficient. And he was rewarded for that performance with an increase in usage. Week 14, he only ran eight times for 25 yards, but he was used in the passing game. We saw that a lot from him in college, and he caught all three of his targets for 80 yards. He's still trailing Mixon in snaps, rush attempts, routes run by at least two to one, but there's potential for the split to narrow because he's being more efficient than Mixon. Mixon's out of Cincinnati after this year. And this Bengals offense with Jake Browning's actually been a little bit better than advertised, which is good for everybody involved. Anything to add here to Chase Brown, who I think we could still agree, though, at least for Week 15, probably just a flex option. Yeah, I'm not even sure I'd call him that. Uh, if this was Week 5, I'd be very enthusiastic about stashing him. He looked good last week. But like you said, he had 80 yards receiving on screen passes, basically. I don't think his production is sustainable. If he had three fantasy points this week, it wouldn't surprise me. So I'm treating him as more than a stash. But he has been better than I was anticipating over the last two weeks. Kareem Hunt. Jerome Ford has a hand injury. It's unclear if he misses any time. Hunt would be in line for almost all the carries and receiving work if Ford misses. Chicago is one of the better matchups for fantasy running backs. Even if... Ford plays at the very least hunt has double digit touches now in back-to-back -back games. I'm pretty much only excited if Ford misses in terms of hunt, but if he's available on waivers, this type of player just shouldn't be at this point in the season. Yeah. Agreed. If Ford misses, the other thing too is Joe Flacco is the purest of pocket passers and you know, hunt could see five plus targets in a game too. So I'm pretty enthused about that. 
Rico Dowdle, we've mentioned him a couple times. He had the, the best workload yet compared to Pollard this past week. Pollard had 16 carries. Dowdle had 12. One of the two goal line carries even went to Rico Dowdle. Maybe you can flex him in a pinch. We've got the contingent upside. It's one of the best offenses in the NFL. It might just be a one-week blip, and he returns to normal this next week. But even early in the game, before it was out of hand against the Eagles, he still was getting work, so it's not like he just got all of his touches at the very end of the game. So I think there's there's a little potential here, but personally, I'd be surprised if he usurps Pollard. I think, again, that's why we're talking about him so late. Probably just a stash, maybe the occasional flex. Yeah, I see it the same way. Um, the, the one thing I'll add is, I don't think I wouldn't bet on him to usurp Pollard either, but I think it's actually on the table now. I, I think there's like a 10% chance it happens. So, and, and like you said, elite offense, going to probably be some tight games for the Cowboys coming up too. So I, I like him as a stash, but again, stashes are less valuable starting now. Noah Brown might be the de facto wide receiver one in Houston this week. Tank Dell broke his leg two weeks ago. Last week, Nico Collins strained his calf. Here's the problem, Ryan. CJ Stroud's going to miss week 15, most likely with a concussion. So you have Davis Mills throwing to Noah Brown in week 15. Then week 16's against Cleveland. So you might be like, oh, you're talking about Noah Brown so late. He's on the Texans. Now you know. It's uh, it's going to be pretty dicey at least these next two weeks with Noah Brown. Should Stroud miraculously recover and play this week? I think Noah Brown is going to be a borderline top 24 option against the Titans. But assuming Stroud misses and it's Davis Mills, you're looking at this uh, fantasy wide receiver three, wide receiver four type. Yeah, I love that, Josh. I see it the same way. You know, ultimately, we're trying to win these things. So I'm not starting him with Davis Mills either this week. But if you get to week 17, here's the thing, too, guys. You don't really want to face anyone on the Texans passing attack against the Titans. So, you know, I'd drop guys like Josh Downs for Noah Brown. So I'd rather face Josh Downs than Noah Brown without even a second thought. Our last top ad, Demarcus Robinson. Very surprising. Demarcus Robinson, 29-year-old veteran receiver. Week 13, he had five targets. That's a 15% target share. He caught four of them for 55 yards and a touchdown. That's 15 and a half fantasy points. Week 14, ties with Cooper Cup for the team leading 10 targets. That's a 26% target share. Three of those 10 targets came in the end zone. He caught only three of 10 for 46 yards and a touchdown. Again, that's usable, 13 and a half fantasy points. Now they face Washington in week 15. Tutu Atwell's concussed. Demarcus Robinson, very, very low floor, but I'd say actually some type of upside option this week because of that matchup against the Commanders where it wouldn't shock either of us if Stafford throws for 304. Yeah, much like Tom Brady with the number changes with everyone, I I hate that stuff because wide receivers wearing number 15 and number 6, it's just harder to remember all of it. And I mentioned that because on that touchdown pass, I actually thought at first glance Demarcus Robinson was Puka. So, you know, Solid veteran receiver. Matthew Stafford can make anyone a, a, a producer. And like you said, the commanders this week, you know, if Demarcus Robinson had six catches for 60 yards and a touchdown or two, like I, that's not off the table at all. Before we turn to streamers, uh, let's talk about those Monday night games. We've had weeks of disappointing Monday night games. I'm still sick, as you can probably tell by my voice. I was very disappointed because we had two pretty, uh, pretty wide spreads. The, the, Packers were supposed to beat the Giants handily. The Dolphins were supposed to beat the Titans by roughly two touchdowns. And uh, I got to say, it cheered me up watching those games last night. We had two great games. The Packers traveled to New York to 
face the Giants, and the Giants beat them on a field goal with time expiring, 24 to 22. We had what, like three lead changes in those final 10 minutes. Ryan, what did you think about Jordan Love without Christian Watson? Because I, for one, was pretty disappointed in the Packers offense all night. Yeah, two, three comments on that. First is I kind of feel bad for Packers fans because they've said things like, you know, oh, we have another one, like as if Jordan Love's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers. And you guys have just become so used to Hall of Fame quarterback play. So when a guy has a good game, <laughs> you overreact to it. Where Love's fine, and he was fine last night, but without Christian Watson, that's a mediocre offense like they've been for most of the year. Jaden Reed, Josh, I think I'm going to have like wild best ball exposure to Jaden Reed next year. That's something I that's been a growing sentiment for me. And, you know, wh one more comment on this game, Josh. It has nothing to do with the Packers, though. Saquon Barkley had a horrible, horrifying fumble in that game that almost cost the Giants the game. I, I live in New Jersey, so the New York I know firsthand how, how tough the New York media is. He's very lucky they won that game because it would have been bad, bad news this week if that fumble essentially cost the Giants a win. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's talk now about the Titans at the Dolphins. Titans won on the last uh the last second 28 to 27. If I remember correctly, this was the first time that a team was down 14 points with two minutes to go and came back to win. I I saw the 33rd team account tweet that out. They posted on Instagram. I believe it was like 0 for 247 or 740. Ryan, do you remember that stat? Yeah, it was a lot. There were hundreds of games that have uh, been at least a 14-point lead with two minutes left, and there had never been a comeback until Will Levis's Titans. We, would you say this was Levis's best game yet? Because we we've talked we talked a lot at the time about how his four touchdown debut was a little bit fraudulent. I thought this was actually his best overall performance. Yeah, I mean, you know, two comments on this. One, there was there was a game years and years ago where Peyton Manning came back against the Bucks. Where like that one made sense. You know, Peyton Manning just shredded them for like four or five minutes. I think they came back from twenty one in like you know five minutes or so but when this one like I, I still aren't i'm not still not entirely sure how tennessee did this you know there weren't like major massive plays or anything it was just a very bizarre game very bizarre ending but like you said one will levis is the perfect titan quarterback he's like personality wise him and mike frable it makes that's a matter that makes a lot of sense and two this is also the sort of game where if you're thinking about next year it's going to be hard to ignore this when you're when you're figuring about like are we going to give Levis a full season? We're going to give him another shot. So I, I think he might have earned that with this one actually. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I watched the the final ten minutes of the game this morning on a condensed game just to kind of rewatch it, and I was blown away that the it kind of reminded me that the Dolphins had almost two minutes at the end of the game to try and make a comeback. Yeah. It was like three and a half minutes left in the game, and then over the next like. 100 seconds they scored two touchdowns yeah and had a two-point conversion it was it was a very weird stuff to watch it was a few other things that were strange we had just the the ultimate grinder back stat line from derrick henry 17 carries 34 yards two touchdowns tajay spears had six catches 89 yards receiving that should have been expected that that there was some kind of boost given that the the dolphins were two touchdown favorites and sure enough, it kind of played out like that, where they really were up by two touchdowns up till the very end of the game. And then the last thing I'll say is that I think Tyreek Hill's injury solidified why he should be in the MVP conversation. This Dolphins offense looked uh, pretty terrible for most of the game. 
pretty much the second that Tyreek Hill went down with the ankle injury, it was very obvious that uh, even with Tua Tagovailoa, two fast running backs, Raheem Mostert and Devon Achan, and a Pro Bowl caliber receiver in Jalen Waddle, that's not enough. You need the Cheetah. That makes them one of the most dangerous offenses in the NFL. Ryan, let's assume that it is a low ankle sprain, even though I've seen some people out there saying it's the high ankle mechanism, in which case his season's mostly done. Should he return for next week? Do you think this actually helps him in the MVP conversation? Obviously, having 60 yards in a game isn't great, but letting people see what he means to this team, I think that might help him should he return in week 15. Yeah, I, I definitely think it helps him. Um, I don't think he's going to win, but I do think it helps him because, like you said, they played the Titans too, who I think had four wins going on last night. So, and the offense didn't work without him. So, yeah, I, I've thought the whole year that, in terms of like Tua or Tyreek, it was Tyreek in this race, which I I didn't feel that way about Stafford and Cup. But yeah, I mean, he definitely there's definitely an argument if he hits two thousand yards as well. Let's talk about some quarterback streamers: Matthew Stafford in SoFi Stadium, which is a mostly dome environment, will. Welcome in, welcoming in the Washington Commanders pass defense. Stafford's hit 23 fantasy points, three straight games. He now gets the easiest matchup possible for fantasy quarterbacks. Here comes 300 passing yards. Here comes multiple passing touchdowns. I have Stafford ranked in my top five, maybe even higher than that for this week for fantasy quarterbacks. Those fantasy rankings will hit the 33rdteam.com later this afternoon. Ryan, remember that Yahoo 10-teamer that we discussed that I drafted? $250 one many, 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 many weeks ago. That's Justin Herbert team. I'm currently most points for in the league. Uh, that is a Yahoo 10 teamer, which means it is waiver priority. I have not made a waiver claim this year. I have number one priority. I am using my number one priority to get rid of Justin Herbert and to pick up Matthew Stafford for weeks 15, 16, 17 in the fantasy playoffs. That doesn't sound too crazy, does it? Uh, uh, uh. Funny enough, Josh, I have a $500 entry league where Justin Herbert's been my quarterback, and I stashed Matthew Stafford like five weeks ago for this week. You know, I like you said, I think I don't know what his price is on DraftKings, but like he's like a $7,000 quarterback this week. So I, yeah, 300 yards, four touchdowns, very much on the table. Russell Wilson is at Detroit, 16 fantasy points, four of his past five games. Overall, he's just done really well this year. Detroit's an elite matchup for fantasy quarterbacks. And just in terms of real football, the Lions have now allowed 26 or more points in five straight. That's two games against the Bears, a game against the Packers, a game against the Saints, and a game against the Chargers. I think Russell Wilson's going to get you 17 to 20 fantasy points this week, and he should be in the high-end streaming conversation. Yeah, I wouldn't call it reliable, but you know, you said this yesterday. I think the Lions are giving up 26 points a game over the last, over the last month or so. Defense has been below average for a while. Definitely has, you know, three touchdown upside, and this game has some sneaky shootout potential. Let's now turn to Joe Flacco. Faces the Bears. Flacco's had at least 250 passing yards and two touchdowns in both starts. Bears are an average matchup. Flacco's floor is going to be pretty low because he doesn't have mobility, and you're, you're essentially needing the passing yards and the touchdowns. But with a, a Jerome Ford hand injury, that would certainly make it a little bit more likely that they skew a little more pass-heavy. Overall, Flacco, a pretty good bet, for, at the very least, for some passing yardage. Should have uh, some type of floor in this one, but the ceiling's going to be quite a bit lower, most likely, for him compared to Stafford or Wilson. Yeah, 
I think the game total is going to be in the 30s with this one. I think that's how it's going to close out. So I don't have much enthusiasm here. That said, there's leagues where Flacco would be the slam dunk top option if you have to stream a quarterback. So if you have Justin Herbert and you're in dire straits, I, I think Flacco's doable. And again, like you said, he was, he was great last week. Sorry about Jake Browning against the Vikings. He's had at least 24 fantasy points in both starts. The problem, as we discussed on our takeaways recap show yesterday, the average throw depth was four and a half yards each of the past two weeks. Bryce Young is the lowest among qualifiers in average throw depth. He's not at four and a half. He's at six. The Vikings defense has been very good. It's been much better than the Jaguars and the Colts as a pass defense. Those are the two teams Browning has started against so far. Pretty easy matchups. Jaguars, Colts. Browning has the most risk in many ways out of everyone we're discussing because of the matchup. But uh, I think we'd be foolish to deny that he has shown a pretty good ceiling in these past two games. Yeah, I think last year, last week, like we talked about, was a fake stat line. I think Brian Flores is going to blitz Jake Browning to death. Uh, you know, we saw that Cincinnati is going to deploy some screens. So Cincinnati might treat the Vikings like the Bears did, just try to screen them out of blitzing them early. But I would actually rather play Flacco than Browning with these matchups. Same. Yeah, I've got Flacco ranked ahead of Browning right now in my rankings. Had him listed that way in the show sheet, and it's good that independently you seem to agree with that one. Sorry about a few tight end streamers. Logan Thomas at the Rams. A lot of people dropped him on his bye week. He's available in around 60% of Yahoo and ESPN leagues. He didn't do much weeks 12 and 13 before the bye, but the five games before that, he had at least five targets in all of them. I don't really have too high of expectations against the Rams, but... There's just not that many good tight ends right now. He's a top 12 option this week, unfortunately, where we we know that the commanders are going to have to pass the ball quite a bit. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if Stafford lights up Washington, the commanders are coming off a bye. Sam Howell shown some ceiling a number of times. I think Logan Thomas has DFS viable upside this week. So you're in dire straits. He's the guy I'm rolling with, no question. Yeah, I was working on my rankings. I have him ranked ahead of Darren Waller right now who should be returning from injured reserve waller travels to the new orleans to face the saints for fantasy uh pass catchers devito's been pretty bad he's only top 200 passing yards once in the past five games he's kind of fun himself he has a little mobility he's got a little swagger but ultimately you need some kind of yardage to support fantasy pass catchers that has not been the case the only game that he topped 200 yards the past five games was washington so that doesn't really count I have no idea how limited or unlimited Waller is going to be coming off injured reserve. He's going to be on waivers in some leagues might be on your IR spot. He's worth a start week 15. I've got him just inside my top 12 tight ends this week. Ultimately you got potential seven to eight targets at the tight end position from a bad quarterback in a game where there's going to be very little scoring. So PPR, uh, I might lean him over Logan Thomas maybe, but Generally, half PPR, I think I, I'd I'd have Logan a little bit ahead because of the touchdowns. Yeah, I, I have no confidence in the Giants offense. You know, like the Tommy DeVito thing's great. The chicken cutlet thing specifically, it's one of the things in our region, you know, we take it for granted when we leave that we can just go get, you know, chicken cutlet, roasted reds, fresh mozzarella on a sandwich. You can't get that in most areas of the country. You can in Tommy DeVito land. That said, like you said, Josh, Tommy DeVito has not really been very kind to Giants pass catchers in fantasy. Waller's an interesting dynamic player, and all of a sudden the Giants are alive in the NFC wildcard race. But I, you know, if they scored nine points in New Orleans this week, it really wouldn't shock me. I think it would be so 2023 season if 
the Giants lose Daniel Jones early, lose Tyrod Taylor, go with DeVito, and then beat their win total and sneak into the wild card. That is <laughs> all on the table, folks. That is the season we are dealing with. Last tight end streamer, Tyler Conklin at the Dolphins. He's had at least five targets in five of his past six games. You're probably going to get six to ten fantasy points. I do not have him ranked as a fantasy tight end one this week, but if we're talking about streamers, we have to go a little deeper than those first two guys. So we'll we'll at least give you a mention, Mr. Conklin. And Ryan, I have to say this was our this was our best ball final pick, darling. This offseason, we couldn't get enough Conklin. I'm going to say we were right. He's currently uh, he's at 39 yards per game. That's a career high. He's at 46 catches, 506 yards already through 13 games. The problem is no Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet this year. But I'm going to go ahead and say uh, pat on the back. Great process on our end. Identifying Tyler Conklin as a guy that was going to have 650, 750 yards, five to seven touchdowns with Aaron Rodgers. We have been robbed of that season. Yeah, man, he can play, man. He's a good player. But like you said, you know, the, the drop-off from Aaron Rodgers to Zach Wilson is like the drop-off from the Deadpool actor to me in terms of, you know, wealth and looks. So very, very thin. But, you know, the Jets are probably going to play in a negative game script here. So you, there's worse options than Conklin. Yeah, Zach Wilson did have 300 passing yards and two touchdowns last week against the Texans in some rainy New York conditions. So, hey, anything can happen. Before we get to our defensive streamers rapid fire, reminder to follow Ryan at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. His works on the 33rd team.com survivor thoughts, NFL power rankings, picks and predictions for every game, what he's going to bet on in each game. Friday, we'll be back with the, the player prop happy hour as well. So we've got stuff pretty much every day of the week for the good people. You can find my fantasy rankings on the 33rd team.com later today, Tuesday, December 12th. Ryan, let's hit some streamers. I love the Raiders this week. A Thursday night football game against the Chargers. You only have three and a half days to create a game plan for Easton Stick, who's going to fill in for Justin Herbert. Raiders' pass defense has been pretty good. They've got a good pass rush. What else should people know here? Because this feels like a pretty elite option this week. Yeah, I mean, the Vi Brian Flores' Vikings defense is probably the most overachieving defense this year. I I'd argue the Raiders might be second, so... Like you said, you're betting against Nick Easton. This offense was really non-functioning with Justin Herbert over the last three weeks. So Raiders are, you know, three-point home favorites on a short week. It's it's actually a pretty sneaky good option. Another one that I think we never would have seen being a good option. The Titans defense hosts the Texans. Probably no CJ Stroud, no Nico Collins, no Tank Dell. I mean, wow. Uh even on a short week with the Titans having just played a Monday night, we should be excited about this one, right? Yeah, I mean, as long as Stroud's out, I, I think the Titans are very, very streamable. Um, like you said, two weeks ago, we would never even consider this as an option, but that pass rush can derail a game, and Davis Mills is a super volatile quarterback. I, I, I love I love this option, actually. Sorry about the Vikings. At the Bengals, they just shut out the Raiders. What else do we need to know? You know, they're, like I said before, they're going to blitz Jake Browning. Brian Flores is a very aggressive defensive coordinator. Cincinnati's counter is probably going to be that they screen them out. They try to screen them out of the blitz. But if you think Minnesota is going to win this game, I, I'm I'm streaming the Vikings defense. The Falcons travel to Carolina to face Bryce Young's Panthers. They scored six points against the Saints last week. There's just nothing going on this offense. Anything else we need to know about the Falcons? 
No, we don't have to get too cute here, Josh. You just play anyone against the Panthers' non-functional offense. Clearly, Frank Wright wasn't the only problem in Carolina. Can we say the Colts are the the same thing? You just play defenses against Mitch Trubisky at this point? Yes, with the addition that the Colts, as a fantasy, they're like actually the second or third scoring fantasy defense this year. That doesn't really make sense to me. But yes, just play anyone against Mitch Trubisky all year. And then lastly, I think we can play the Rams against the Commanders. Howell takes a lot of sacks. It's probably going to be trailing game script if they pass a lot. Anything else to add to how this Rams defense has looked this year? You know, you have Aaron Donald against a volatile offensive line. And like you said, trailing game script. Uh, you know, I could see Howell throwing a couple interceptions, taking three or four sacks. Folks, that'll do it from us, from myself, Josh Larkey, from my co-host, Ryan Reynolds, from the 33rd team. This has been the Week 15 Waiver Wire Show. Thank you, everyone.